Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. So I got this journal for Christmas um, from one of my new relatives. Uh, I have a new in-laws. And um, I've been having it there and just wondering what I want to do with this journal. And um, so I set out to use this journal a little bit different than just writing down everything that's going on or what I went through yesterday and, and so forth and so on. So what I wrote on the title was A Search for God in the Scriptures. And so I dedicate, I'm dedicating this journal to actually be what, what God, what, what I find and how I find God as I study the scriptures. And so I landed in the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, I started with the very first chapter, very first verse, and just reading verse by verse. And I came across hope. I came across hope. And it struck me because one of my reasons in why I wanted to use this journal this way and why I titled it A Search for God in the Scriptures is because I was feeling a little bit hopeless. I was feeling like I was missing God. I don't, I don't know if you've ever gone to those times in your life where you get a little stuck and um, you hear sermons or you read the Scriptures or you're in church or you're talking to people about Christ, but for some reason it's not really sticking to you where you're not really connecting even though you, you hear a lot and you know a lot, and you hit Monday morning and, and it's hard, right? The, the world just comes upon you and, and you need hope. And so I came across this and I started to study of what hope is about. And so today I would like to talk to you about hope. And that's what we're going to talk about. When we look around the world and we look around our surroundings and, and just what's going on, is it me or, or is it true that there seems to be quite a bit of hopelessness. If we look towards any direction, whether it's education or um, work or politics or religion or beliefs or health, like just about every direction, there can be a sense of hopelessness. It could seem hopeless. So, what is it like to have that feeling, that sense of, man, this, is, this seems hopeless? So today, again, talking about what hope is, I want to start off is with what is the definition of hope? And on your outline, you'll see that the definition of hope is the expectation of good. The expectation of good is the definition of hope. So hope cannot be hope unless there's an expectation of something good. Now, the next thing here is where does hope come from? Where does hope come from? We'll find in the scripture here it says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So here's Paul speaking to the church of uh, Colossians. 
And it's a small church there uh, that grown in their faith. And he's telling them, wow, this is really great. And verse 5, he says, which come from your confident hope. So they have love and they have faith. And it's from all the saints. But it's coming from a confident hope. But where does that hope come from? Well, as we read, it says, of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Hope comes from what's eternal. Hope comes from what's reserved for us in heaven. Again, the definition is an expectation of something good. And the verse continues saying, and you have had this expectation, there you go, ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. What is this truth of the good news? The truth of the good news is the gospel. And the gospel, uh, many, there's many aspects of it, but the centerpiece of the gospel is Jesus and eternal life, living with him forever, being eternally right with God forever. So where does hope come from? Hope comes from what God has for us in heaven. That's where hope comes from. In verse 7 of Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is in Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So where does hope come from? It comes from what God has for us in heaven, and it comes from Jesus Christ, who is the hope of glory. Those two things. Now I have a question for you, church. And I need your participation. Ready? What is it like to not have hope? And you can shout it out. What is it like to not have hope? Depressing. Depressing. Numb. Numb. Sorrowful. Sorrowful. Dark. Now, second question. What is it like when you have hope? Freeing. Freeing. What else? What? Alive. Joyful. So to not have hope is not good. To have hope is good. So how do we get hope or how do we keep hope, as your notes say? Right here it tells us, we just read that hope comes from the things that are eternal for us forever, that are set in heaven, and from Jesus, the hope of glory. So how is it that we can get more of that? Or how can we keep hope or have hope or get hope? We keep hope, we have hope, we get hope is when we set our minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on this earth. So there's a positive of what we should do or what we, we, we must do, right? And then there's the negative of what we should not do. The things that are on above the things that are eternal and not on the things that are on this earth. 
See, because the very definition of hope is the expectation of good. So the things that are above are good. They're good. They'll always be good. So there's a first requirement. But in order for us to keep that faith, it must last forever. So how do we get hope? How do we keep hope? We have to have our mind on the things that are above because those are good, the expectation of good. And hope cannot last and cannot continue and cannot run out because then it would not be hope anymore. So it must last forever. Which leads us to why we need hope. See, the things that are on this earth are passing away. And that's why we need hope. Romans 5.5, 5, it's not in your notes, says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given, who was given to us. See, hope does not disappoint. And we talked about what happens when we don't have hope. It's depressing, right? It's hopelessness. You feel fear. You feel scared. You, you, you worry without hope. You feel stuck. So why do we need hope? Because there are many disappointments and hardships and trials that are here on this earth. The things that are on this earth will bring that in one way, shape, or form. So, participation again. Question for you. What are some of the things that we put our hope in when it comes to this life? What are some of the things that we put our hope in when it comes to this life? And you can shout them out. Paycheck. Paycheck. And I'll do one at a time. So paycheck, right? our finances. We had hope that if we did things right, you know, we saved so much money, we um, had a budget, we had the envelope system, right? <laughs> we paid cash for everything. We worked at the same workplace that had a pension or a retirement or a 401k, right? We invested in property. We did everything right. But then at some point or some, something happened to where that all went away, like a job loss, like a sickness, right? Hardships, life change, companies closing. We, we put, again, our hopes in these things that are on this earth, and they lead us to disappointment. Now, is there anything wrong with budgeting and saving and working long at, at one place and having retirement? No, there's not at all. But if that's what we set our mind on to give us hope, it will lead us to disappointment. What are some other things that we put our hope in in this life? Family. Education and family, right? Education. If, if, if you were talented in school especially, right? You're able to, to really do well in school and, and you maybe got a scholarship and, and you exceeded and you did well and you went to college and you, you got the highest of, of honors. But when it came time to what? Maybe getting a job, it didn't work out the way you wanted to. Or maybe you did get the job and you do have the education. But there's still loneliness and emptiness. Family. 
You know, what was your relationship like with your mother or your father or relatives around you? And, and maybe to this day, you, you're still searching, still waiting for mom or dad to come around. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you want to continue to work towards, you know, connection and reconciliation. But at the end of the day, that may not be possible. You may never, ever have that. It might be because of their limitations of just the way they were brought up or maybe because of the decision that they made that they can't reverse and they're paying the consequence of that that keeps you separate. Maybe the very fact that maybe they're just in bondage or, or in addiction or in a situation where they can't get out of. Maybe they're just not around. Maybe you've lost a loved one. See, when God says to set our mind on the things above, it almost sounds like if we need to live in denial, right? Like things are tough, so just deny it by just keeping your mind on the things above so you don't have to deal with what's really going on in earth. But when in reality, Jesus never, ever advocates denial, ever. He lives in truth. He's very upfront. He exposes it all. He's very transparent. And we see that with him over and over again through the Gospels. But the reality is, is that when, when Jesus uh, advocates in the Scriptures, because he is the Scriptures, and we see what Paul is telling us, that we should set our mind on the things above, is he's actually saying, this is how you deal with life, is by setting your mind on the things that are above. Not de- this isn't denial. This is how I have created you because I've created you in my likeness, which is for eternal glory, for the eternal plan and purpose, which is set before you forever and ever in heaven. This is how you deal with life. I want you to hit your life head on with eternity, with the things that are above. Now, There's a scripture that says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, and catch this, for this light momentary affliction, light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It is the temporal for the eternal, and whatever it is that we're going through, when you line that up or compare that to eternity, it is what the Bible says, this life is like a vapor. It's here for one moment and it's gone. And that's why it says here, this light momentary affliction. Give you hopefully a good, a little illustration of that. So a few years years back, um, my father had drawn for a tag to go elk hunting. And just so you know, I've been hunting with my dad since I was six. I'm 42, so what's that? 36 years. It's a big tradition, not just in, in, from my dad, but from my grandfather and my great-grandfather. And so we set out. I'm flying down from, from Florida to go down. And uh, we meet up, I believe it's Friday evening. We set up. We, we leave real early in the morning, get all our stuff, get to where we need to be. We put the horses in this corral area. 
Uh, we unload them. We drive back to find a place to stay because we, we couldn't pull, you know, a camper and a horse trailer, so we only pulled a horse trailer. Um, so went back to uh, this place, this little hotel, this little motel, okay? And, you know, it's a cheap motel. There's nothing around other than like maybe 60 miles away, so that's the only option. And so we go to this motel, and it's pretty much like a, I don't know, the cheapest, most inexpensive motel you could ever think of in your life. So what comes to your mind? So we drive up, we get out, we go to pay, and we go into where the doors open, where the, I guess you call the foyer, the check-in area, and it's filled with smoke. And most people don't smoke in the check-in area that own the place that's going to rent it to you. And the people that are coming out are um, maybe look like they just woke up. And how I know that is the doors open on the back, and I could see actually like their bed and their living area, and they obviously live there and run the place. It's just it's just very odd. Okay, it's a very old motel. I mean, there's wood panels, which is sort of cool nowadays, but back then, you know, they used to put them in the 50s or 60s or 70s. And so we get to our room, and uh, <laughs> they're, the, they're the type of rooms that the doors are facing the outside, you know, so there's, there's, there's you know, the stairs, but we're on the bottom. And my, we go to sit down, and my brother just, like, jumps on the bed, and he jumps on the bed, and boom, bounces right back up. And it's funny, it's hilarious, like, we just start laughing. So then my brother does it again, and we, whom, and he bounces, like, he's just bouncing, like, three feet in the air. That's the kind of, of beds that they were. You know, tiny, little, real thin comforter that looks like, again, from the 50s. You know, it's, it's just, it's rough. As you know, I'm spoiled. So, we're about to go to sleep, it's dark, and this huge, bright, outside light is right there in front of the room and so we close the shades and you can see like it's daylight and I struggle with sleeping with lights and I'm just like I don't have any other choice but I was thinking this really really sucks pardon my French but tomorrow we're gonna get up and we're going to go to a very beautiful, beautiful place. And I'm going to be with my dad, and I'm going to be with my brother. And we're going to grab our horses, and we're going to start at daybreak. And sure enough, the next day, we get there, we get the horses, we get them loaded up. About 3, 4 in the morning, so we only slept like 4 hours. I didn't really sleep, just to be honest. I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was just like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, I can't sleep with light. But anyways, we go. And sure enough, we load the horses and get all set up, and we take off to this spot that we know, and we hear the elk bugling. And you see the sun come up, and there's these beautiful mountains, and the river's flowing through, and it's amazing. It's wonderful. And every step of the way, other than my dad spraining his ankle later on, anyways, and almost dying because he almost got lost in the snow, but anyways. Um, up until that point, everything happened perfectly. We harvested an animal. It was amazing. Enjoyed it. Again, it was just for a night. It was just for a moment. But being able to set my mind on what was lying ahead, what we had stored up, what God had for us, 
gave me the motivation to endure. Jesus gives, the scripture gives us an, an example, a word-for-word -word example of facing reality when he is facing the cross. So meditating on our future life will give you strength to endure. And that greatest example is when Jesus faces that, when he's facing the cross. There's no denial. As a matter of fact, God records word for word what, was, what he was going through. Hebrews 12.2 says, Because of the joy that was set before him, because he saw what was ahead of him. That's how he was able to endure the cross. There's a story of a pastor in England in the 17th century named Richard Baxter. He knew suffering personally as well. It is said that he was chronically sick, to, to, tubercular from the age, from a teenage year. He had dyspepsia, kidney stones, headaches, toothaches, swollen limbs, and he was bleeding at his extremities, all without the invention of the modern medicines that we have today. So how, do so, how does someone deal with this? How did he deal with it? Well, at the age of 30 years old, he began his day every day with 30 minutes of thinking about heaven. 30 minutes he would spend every day from the age 30 to the rest of his life about heaven. He was sick his whole life. According to Pastor Colin Smith, Richard Bachter wrote a book titled Saints of Everlasting Rest. Now, the last quarter of this book talks about four things, and I want to go over them, and they're in your notes. The four things are, number one, taking responsibility for directing our mind. And that's where Colossians says, set your mind. I want you to know that God will not ever ask you to do something without giving you the power to do so. And where does that power come from? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. When it tells us to do something, it says, the scripture is very clear that we are to do it. And what does that mean? That means we have the authority and the right. So number one, taking responsibility for directing our minds, setting our mind on the things above. You must do it and have the ability through the resurrection and power of Jesus. At the Ville, we like to say, stopping to be with Jesus. Taking that time to set your mind and be with Jesus. Just like when you get up every day, when you don't want to, and you know you gotta get up, it's time to get up, and you, what do you do? You go brush your teeth, and you take a shower, hopefully, somebody did today, and you start to take care of this body, even though it's mundane and you don't feel like it, you direct your body. But in the same way, you must direct your mind. And I want you to know that your mind is subject to you. You are not subject to your mind. Number two, preach to yourself. Martin Lord joins, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but an older preacher that's passed away. He said, we spend too much time listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. We must preach to ourselves. For an example, if there was an employee at your workplace and all of a sudden they just went around talking, messing around, they're supposed to be getting things done day after day, 
maybe even causing gossip, causing problems. One of your supervisors, or if you were the supervisor, would call that person in and sit them down and say, this is what's going on, and this is what needs to stop, and this is what you need to do. In the same way, we must preach to ourselves every day and all the time. Number three, allow the joys of the earth to propel your mind toward heaven. With every joy of our life, whether it's a birthday or a celebration or a promotion at work or a really good stake, propel your mind towards heaven of what it would like be eating with Jesus in heaven. If it's something of the beauty of this earth that we see in creation or the arts or music or technology, how much more beautiful or how beautiful would it be to be able to see and look and gaze into the face of Jesus? Use these things to propel you yourselves towards heaven. Don't let the things of this world be your anchor and tie you down, but let them propel you. Let the blessings of this life anticipate the life to come. Set your mind on the things above, for you have died when your life of Christ appears. Set your mind, right? We have already died. The Bible says we are dead. Our Christ now is life. Our life is now Christ. Fourth, and the last one is, direct your heart and will by exercising faith in God's promises. Richard Baxter said this. I think it's so beautiful and so amazing. He says, let faith lead your heart by the hand. Let faith lead your heart by the hand. John 14.2 says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Let's take a moment just to think about that. Think about that scripture right there. Take a moment to think about the things that are above. Just take this this minute of silence and just think about, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you, that I go prepare a place for you. Now let's do what Richard Baxter says. Let faith lead your heart by the hand and take you on a trip to the place where God has prepared for you. Look heart what you have in heaven. Richard Baxter says, take a walk in the new Jerusalem every day. Let me give you one more and then we'll put this to a close. Genesis 28, 13. Just just listen to this for a moment and, and let yourself go there for a moment. This is a dream that Jacob had. It says, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on top of it reached to heaven. 
And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Go there for a moment. Just begin to meditate and think about this ladder and these angels that are ascending and descending on it. Colossians 3 says, and this is what we started with, if then you have been raised with Christ, you're up there already. Seek the things that are above. I know you think you're here on this earth, but you're already raised with Christ. That's enough to just meditate on forever. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Brothers and sisters, that's reality. This that we're passing through is not reality. It's not, well, I can say it's not eternal. It's not forever. Yes, it's real what we're going through here and now, but it's not lasting forever. That's not going to be the end of what reality is. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. How does that bring us hope? What does that have to do with what we're going through every day of our lives? It has everything to do with it. When you're trying to be the best parent that you could be and you're in a difficult situation with your child and you're about to have a conversation with them and you're thinking in your mind, this is hopeless. All I see is tragedy from here on out for my child. They did something and they did it again. They have an attitude and it's a bad attitude. What do I do? While looking at it from that perspective at that level and only keeping your mind on this, what you see and what's here, it is hopeless. But if we see that that conversation that I'm about to get into has something to do with the kingdom of God and what's coming in eternal life for that child, how would that affect how we talk to them and the goal of talking to them in their situation? That their eternal state is right here. That God is even using that conversation that may go bad and that may get worse for his glory. And he's going to use it to work it out. And he is not going to lose. But God is going to win. We've already won. When it comes to a tragedy... When it comes to a trial, when it comes to things that we cannot control, 
that are out of our hand, the worst of the worst. How does this give us hope? Brothers and sisters, there is no other explanation. There is no other answer than that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and there is an eternal life after this. There's no other way to address that. There's no way to approach that. There's no way, other way to have hope other than to believe and to know that. Because it doesn't make sense if there is no things that are above. There is, doesn't make any sense. Whether the person was innocent in this or the person was guilty in this, whether we did our best or our worst, whether it was something that was an accident or something done on purpose, whatever reason that tragedy came, whether it came from nature, whether it came from just life, or whether it came from something that we did, it doesn't make any sense either way unless there is something above that we can put our hope in. That even my pain and my tragedy and my situation and my challenge has something to do with heaven. I don't know how to figure all that out. I may not understand it from where I'm at. But if I set my mind on the for sure fact that I will be there with God in heaven forever, that gives us hope. See, Jesus never wanted us to deny. He wanted us to hit it head on. You want to know how you deal with life? You want to know how you have hope? You want to know how you pick your head up the next day again? We must set our minds on the things that are above. We must get lost in what's there for us. This week has been a really, really rough week last couple of weeks because someone's missing in the four chairs that are there. There's one there missing in the middle next to my wife. That's my daughter. And she's precious to me. I adore my daughter. I've spent 18 years trying to love her the very best I could in every way that I could. And she's not there. Can I make sense of it? No. Do I want it? No. Is it sad? Yes. But there is a hope. There is a hope that God knows what he is doing. And at the end of the day, my life is not my life because I have a daughter. My life is not my life because I'm 42 years old and I'm five foot seven and I'm able to walk around and talk right now. My life is not my life because of the things that I acquire. My life is not my life because I'm married. My life is not my life and fill in the blank. My life is my life because of what's in heaven waiting for me. Because I have died and now my life is Christ. That brings us hope to our broken situations, our broken relationships, our hopelessness that we have here, that brings us hope. But we must set our mind on the things above in order for us to keep, maintain, and get this hope.
How about you today? Do you need some hope? Maybe you've never heard a message like this. Maybe, maybe you have, have uh, experienced and believe that this is not, there's nothing really real. Uh, all this is just made up. Um, and, and yeah, life is hopeless. And it's always going to be that way. And um, there's nothing good, right? There is no Jesus. There is no heaven. There is no God. It's, it's just all made up. I want to invite you. Because maybe, maybe you can hear or see, but you've thought that way your whole life, that there is a hope. See, when man first sinned, God just didn't give up. He knew what was ahead. He has it all planned out. He's not going to leave us with just brokenheartedness and despair. If you go to the book of Revelation, it says he will wipe away every tear. I believe there's a, a scripture in Psalms that, that he catches every tear in a bottle. Would you come to Jesus today? Maybe you're like me, uh, searching for some hope. Monday morning comes around for me, and many times, or Thursday morning, or Tuesday morning, or whatever morning you want to call it, and it just seems hopeless. It just seems like I'm on this Ferris wheel, just going round and round and round, and spinning going as fast as I can, and I need something to give me hope. Would you also put your mind on the things above and say, Jesus, I want to have hope. I want to put my mind on you. You are hope. We're going to have uh, the worship team play, and as we play, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, and this is something physical that we do Remember, we take the joys of this world, this, 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 this juice and this bread, and we start to put our mind on the thing that is eternal, which is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. As we do this, we'll have some people up here to pray. And I want to invite you that maybe it's not about hope for you, but maybe you need healing in your body. I want you to come up and ask for someone to pray for that healing in your body. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. Come up and ask that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never even heard of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Come up and pray and say, I'm not sure what it is, but I know it's Jesus. Pastor up there said it's okay. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a fear. Maybe you have a worry. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe you're at the top and you're just enjoying the presence of God, but you don't want to forget him. Come up and ask for prayer. We want to pray with you. And just know that there is always hope because there is always Jesus. God bless you, church.